0: Come on. Well, I'm this is George G and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Steve Galleon. Steve, are you ready to do this? I'm ready to jump in, George. All right, let's go. Steve is the CEO of Med Trainer. He's a serial entrepreneur. He is committed to making things and processes better through innovation. Steve, tell us a little about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do.
1: Great. Yeah, awesome. So uh, thanks for having me on the show. For the better part of the last 15 years, I've focused most of my career on building residual income style businesses within the healthcare in market so um to give you kind of a little bit of business glimpse in the background uh, my co-founder and i have done several different companies together our last exit was in 2013 different industry different space uh, but same market it was actually in the healthcare medical waste industry but it spun up an idea and showed us a gap that we had found in compliance which we found heavy layers of conviction um, specifically related to education, um, not just at the provider level, but uh, kind of top to bottom within healthcare. Um, and so we, we went after it, so to speak, right? And that's kind of how MedTrain was born. The problem was actually quite a bit bigger than learning. It um, spans across three core areas of focus today. And so we're kind of born and raised in the educational world and learning management space. And now we consider ourselves more of a healthcare GRC provider. So Um, And that's kind of a newer emerging governance, risk compliance market in in healthcare, covering education, compliance and credentialing, which uh, compliance is a lot of different tool sets around automation, things like incident uh, management, policy and procedure management. Credentialing is kind of where legal and HR meet this inflection point for providers. If you imagine yourself as a doctor and I'm a hospital and we are hiring you, we are probably not just going to take your word for it that you went to Harvard and now you practice, you know, plastic surgery, and we're (laughs) going to have to do a little bit of a deeper dig there. And we need to document um, that we did that deep dive into your credentials. And so that's the credentialing process. And although it sounds fairly simplistic, it's highly complex and highly variable, and there's um, a lot of challenges that organizations um, throughout the scale of healthcare, whether it's a single provider group uh, all the way up through you know hundreds or thousands of provider uh, health systems, um, they face similar challenges. And we are really on a mission to do one thing, and that's to use technology to help automate and promote efficiency across those three core buckets of, of, of problem solving. Um, where that's unique is. Today we um, have put all of that natively under one roof. So we haven't built our system through acqu- or requiring other kind of core components. Everything has been built um, within the same code base, which allows for us to have a lot of cross cross-functional features and, and interactivity within the system. And that's a very big differentiator between our platform and some uh, others out there. I'm super happy to announce we just closed. Um, A very important uh, funding round was led by Vista Equity Partners and also Telescope Partners, which did our Series A, participated in in this round. So we uh, did a $43 million raise on Series B. And um, our goal is to really put that money to work to build out the best product um, that can really drive that core mission that I spoke about and create a lot more connective tissue between uh, our core technology and the value points that our customers have come to expect. Um, on the personal side, I'm 37 years old, married to kids. Uh, home base for me is Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, moved there a few years ago from California, as um, you know. a lot of us uh, in, in the space are looking to accomplish certain personal goals. And that was on my uh, personal agenda. Uh, I have a daughter who's 14, my son is seven. My 14-year-old's a competitive athlete. My uh, seven-year-old son is more of a virtual athlete on Fortnite and Roblox and whatever else uh, you know seven-year-old boys are into. But he's also outside and soccer, playing soccer, and I try to get out there on the field with him as well. And spend a lot of my personal life when I'm not traveling for business, focused around uh, family and and the promotion of um, you know my core kind of goals and morals within within my uh, my family itself. And a um, little uh, extra background academically, I went to University of California, Riverside, degrees in uh, business economics. And then later I went to law school. Although uh, I had no goals or aspirations for practicing law, it was really to be more highly complimentary to um, to more of the entrepreneurial spirit. Matter of fact, I would highly recommend those who are chasing uh, different goals as a founder. If you had to make a decision between, business, let's say, getting your MBA or getting your Juris Doctorate, I think the JD route is is highly beneficial, especially in today's world where things have become so legally entangled with the processes. So a little bit of background there. Uh, hopefully that helps.
0: Yeah. Well, congratulations on on raising the new uh, funding. That, that, that's That's awesome.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you.
0: And I appreciate uh, I appreciate the background. Um, it's always fascinating to learn about different industries and and, and the entrepreneurial journey. Uh, some things that sort of jumped into mind with with healthcare so so many sensitive issues with privacy and and things like that. How does one get credentialed to give credentials? Is that a hard process? That's a good
1: it's a good question, and it's it. Is a little bit fragmented, um, being that the process it, it itself doesn't have a specific oversight body. Um, the oversight bodies that are really going in and regulating this are going to be around the insurance payers and then accreditation bodies. And then at the very top level, you have CMS, who if you are CMS, uh, CMS certified organization, you are kind of bound by their guidelines. There is a loose oversight um, by an organization called NCQA that does have some really good standards and processes that we drive to abide by. But there isn't a official certification of being able to be certified. There are certifications you can achieve, like a certified uh, verification organization, which is an NCQA verification. Uh, Is that necessary to do our job? No, it's not. Um, What it is is a stamp of approval saying that An organization is abiding by their particular guidelines, but there's a lot of different ways to, to, to bake a cake, right? Um, you don't have to add the eggs at the same time as the sugar in every recipe, sometimes, uh, accomplishing the goal. Um, the end goal can mean assembling the different ingredients, uh, differently along the way for the best result. We have tooled a, uh, proprietary process for what we do in order to achieve the maximum layers of efficiency and drive the highest value while keeping costs um, pretty budget friendly and, um, and 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 basically allowing our customers to budget and knowing what their costs are going to be associated with driving the value they're looking for where when you're dealing with highly complex highly variable tasks. Uh, sometimes that means highly complex and variable pricing, and we that is not something that we look to drive to the market. And so abiding by the guidelines is one thing. We accomplish the goals for the end result, but our proprietary steps, we leverage our own technology and our software internally to help provide the service itself.
0: Nice. It seems like, like what we're talking about is really, really, really smart. That, that it's I wrote down integrated, and you mentioned something about the code, being able to sort of... Everything fits together, so it's not like you need to go get this, and then you're going to have to go get this, and then you're going to have to go get this. And it also sounds like you've, you've, you're able to educate the user and then also give them the tool that they need to successfully do this, which seems like a lot of moving parts as well. Did you set out to do all of this, um, or how, how, did, how did you come to be where we are today?
1: Yeah. um, This is a kind of a core internal concept. Um, I think that smart people build kind of great product. And in order to have smart people around the table, you need to build product steering committees that don't only consist of someone like myself. You know, I didn't come up with product strategy in my basement by myself. Um, It's about talking to real users uh, and, and from top to bottom, the actual, let's say frontline employee who's not a provider, maybe the first person you would see in the doctor's office when you go to check-in at reception. That person's usage and experience is going to differ from the provider's usage and experience. And we need to have sampling across the board. So we've really set up our product committees and our product team to do deep dives with real-life situations, real-life users. And that helps to drive how, um, how we focus our product roadmap how we focus our customer success experience how we drive deeper layers of value and what and how we prioritize prioritize overall
0: yeah that's fascinating you hear from from if you are somebody who is wanting to start a business one of the core things or first things is you better talk to your customer and realize or figure out if there's a need or if there's going to be a fit and it seems like that is a step which is often skipped but that is not a skip step that you have skipped here. Is that something you learned from experience or you always took people's advice?
1: It's a little bit of both. I think that it, as a founder, as an entrepreneur, if you think you can silo yourself on an Island to do your job, you're probably missing a couple pieces. Um, you need to really find a core group of mentors around yourself um, that are able to help assist you in thinking about the, the right direction. And you know, one of the, to answer your question directly, like looking at market um, a lot of founders and entrepreneurs don't think about market as the core driver, but I'll tell you right now, if you go into a market that's shrinking or you're going into a market where the total addressable market is um, something that is very small, like you might be building a business in a direction that's not worth building. And so those are some of the things that you really should be thinking about. I, I I think back to to undergrad and one of my professors used to use an analogy about two CPAs and they both come out uh, and get their CPA licenses out of school. And one CPA says, I'm going to do taxes for everybody. And the other CPA says, you know what, I'm going to go into a real niche area. I'm only going to do taxes for blind people that live on third street. Um, Now, guess what? The CPA that, that, that did the taxes for the blind person on third street got every blind person on third street but the total market wasn't there to make him successful the other person will be inherently more successful because it's a broader market so market considerations are not only part of the initial story um, they're part of the journey along the way and it's part of uh, thinking about even raising money raising funding rounds Um, in healthcare we have a compounded annual growth rate in healthcare itself over 15 percent annually what does that mean for us? It means really our business could continue to double year after year for a very long time and we wouldn't capture our unfair share of the market. And that's a really good place to be in when you're thinking about overall high growth, especially in the technology sector.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That certainly makes sense. How is, how is the competitive landscape for, for, for what you're doing?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, So we don't have a lot of apples to apples competitors in the market. Uh, Usually uh, softwares are a little bit more verticalized and focused on a single product. So there's a ton of different learning management systems in the world, over 500 learning management systems actually. Um, And there are companies that focus just on credentialing or just on compliance tool sets. And we kind of looked at the market, actually I take that back, not kind of, very intentionally looked at the market and said, what is wrong with this picture? And as decentralization of workforces became more apparent on the direction they were taking through the pandemic, um, it definitely definitely drove as an accelerant to our general thesis that we needed a single software that could accomplish multiple points of value and and problem solve on multiple layers, as opposed to running five, six different platforms in parallel. and we've, we see this in all types of different softwares. I mean, it's one of the reasons you look at Google has Gmail and Google Docs and all their different things. It's nice to be able to work under one roof in that kind of native environment, and be able to bounce around between tool sets. And healthcare was lacking that. Uh, on the competitive landscape, I, I, I know uh, our competitors, their C-levels, their founders, whether they're public or private, very, very well. It's a small, tight-knit community. Matter of fact, we um, I don't think anybody's an enemy on the competitive landscape. There's a ton of business out there. There are pl- plenty of uh, times where we run into, let's say a market um, prospect that isn't going to be best served by us where we will even cross-refer business to one another. Uh, those of us who have been successful in the marketplace, um, are they we get it and we know that one of the best ways to build rapport is to help customers even if it's not through us. And um, it's, it's pretty interesting. But if I think about the... The general landscape. There's probably only five companies in the United States that really stand out as a, a, a true competitor at scale, at size, and um, you know, then they're they're all reaching uh, points if they're not already there of pretty pretty high levels of
0: success. Exciting, nice. So, who 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 is your ideal client user?
1: Yeah, um, if you would have asked me this question two years ago, I would have told you it was SMB healthcare. Um, which to us, we define that very much by full-time employee count, not by provider count. Um, And in that bucket for us are going to be organizations with 600 or less employees. Now, as product has scaled, as we have verticalized and focused more on, on making more robust sections of our system that are highly competitive against, let's say enterprise user needs, uh, we've seen that our kind of core target market expand. So as it is today, we can serve full the full spectrum of healthcare, whether it's a single provider group all the way up through, you know, 25,000 employee hospital or health system. Um, depending on the product needs, they will differ throughout that spectrum. But uh, the ability for us to deliver value is there. So pretty much anything in healthcare, uh, we do have really, really interesting content around um, around post-acute care environments, as well as you know the acute care space both. And we have been heavily expanding in, in, in both of those due to the content push. And that's another unique identifier, um, I don't know, and differentiator. I don't know if we'll get into that, but uh, in terms of questioning, but I'll tell you with our content, which h- drives high value um, to our customers, it, we are a little bit unique because we own and create all of our own content. We have a network of um, authors with different credentials that assist us with creating healthcare content, but we don't license content from third parties to deploy to our user base. And we operate a lot like Netflix in terms of um, when you are a customer, we're not charging you on a pay-per-view basis, and we release content every month. Um, And we prioritize that content by market need, whether it's compliance-related change or some type of um, healthcare uh, regulatory change in the laws or purely based off of, let's say, um, what's happening in the world. We were probably one of the first, if not the first, healthcare compliance companies to release a um, AMA Category 1 accredited COVID series for four hours. I mean, it was the very beginning of the pandemic when, when things were just starting. And so our eye is on not just the mandatory changes, but also on the climate changes in the ecosystem of healthcare.
0: Well, I think that that makes a ton of sense and making the decision to how, how was that decision? Was it obvious? Was it hard to say, you know what, we're not going to outsource this. We're going to bring people in house. We're going to be able to create the content so that we're in control of it so that we own it, all these things.
1: Yeah. um, In the learning management space um, and in the compliance space. So content, I'm thinking about educational content or policies and procedures, like those are probably the two big uh, focal points for content. And most companies will license packages of content from third party content houses that they specialize in the creation and licensing of the content itself. Uh, I just wasn't satisfied with the quality. I wasn't satisfied with um, the inability to customize the content in the way we wanted to deliver value. And I think that you know delivering general industry content, which a lot of a lot of companies do, it doesn't resonate um, with our end customer market. And I'll give you a good example. When we build content, we build content in a way, but it's applicable to multiple markets and is able to be shifted based off of care setting, based off of the end user experience and who our end audiences. So um, a really easy example of this is if you enter a course that is designed for multiple care settings, that course may ask you, you know, what is your role? And you'll select from kind of a selection and what is your care setting? Let's choose um, let's say we're in an ambulatory surgical center. That content will then dynamically shift to to what that care setting is and what that end user uh, learning base is. So if you think about that in an ambulatory surgical center, we're going to be talking about how we, let's say, protect the patient. Now, had I chosen a, let's say, long-term care facility instead of ambulatory surgical center, it's going to be about how we help the resident. The terminology is different. Mm -hmm. And terminology has higher points of reson reson uh, is able to resonate better with the end user in a way where um, it just makes more sense, feels more customized. It it, it truly is a wider glove experience for that end user, and we believe it drives a better uh, educational experience.
0: I can't imagine that it wouldn't do that. That everything you said makes perfect sense. So I like it. Well, Steve, the people are ready for that difference-making tip. What do you have for them?
1: Yeah. Especially in today's environment, we have a lot of people who have left the workforce, a lot of concern around staffing. You hear it all the time in the news, lots of wages flying everywhere up and down and a lot of uncertainty. If I have to tell people what it's on, where to really focus in the business, um, it's probably where 80% of my time is spent and that's on talent. Um, really putting your, uh, your lens and microscope over your talent layers, uh, especially from the top down, can be the life-changing event and or the business changing event that you're looking for, you know, best in class talent is, um, is tough to find. And when people ask me about the business, we are an employee first organization. So I look at the business employees first customers second shareholders, third shareholders are looking for value without unhappy customers that receive value from product and customer success. We cannot deliver that value to shareholders and without great employees, we cannot deliver that value to our customers. Great companies are built on the backs of strong employees. And talent is the number one foundation for building that really strong employee base. So if you want to know where to look, you want to know how to create long-term, long-tail success, look, look for talent. And I think a lot of people miss that. It's a skill that is definitely learned over time. Um, and if you nail it, you can be very, very successful.
0: Well, I think that that is great stuff. That definitely gets a Come on. Steve, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you? How can they engage with you and MedTrainer?
1: Yeah, so if you want to learn more about the company um, and more about myself, visit MedTrainer.com. You can go to our About Us page. learn a little bit about me there you can also uh ping me on linkedin um my linkedin name is my entire name all together so steve Gallion, s-t-e-v-e-g-a-l-l-i-o-n i I don't have any other personal social media but uh, happy to always engage especially with other founders entrepreneurs people who have questions also students you know i didn't have a lot of guidance when i was a student on um where i wanted to go and what i wanted to do and would have loved to have had a, a mentor who had been through that cycle. And so feel free to reach out. We'd love to talk to anybody who who's interested to have a conversation.
0: Awesome. Well, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Steve your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to medtrainer.com. It's M-E-D-T-R-A-I-N-E-R.com. Find Steve on LinkedIn under Steve Gallian, S-T-E-V-E-G-A-L-L-I-O-N, and get in touch. Thanks again, Steve.
1: Awesome. Thanks a lot, George.
0: And until next time, keep fighting the good fight. We are all in this together.